0: What's the password? Hmm. Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Brought to you by the record button.
1: Hello and welcome. Welcome to the Game Master Speakeasy. Come in out of the rain, pull up a chair, grab a drink. Uh, If you are of age, it can be alcoholic. Uh, Either way. Sit down by the ever-burning hearth and uh, tune in. Uh, I'm glad that you're here. Uh, My name's Cody. I am a Game Master. uh, That is uh, uh, why I'm here, actually. I I like being that, and I'm going to continue to do that as long as I am able. Uh, I'm joined by my buddy uh, right here. His name is... Lance. Lance. Lance, uh, for those who don't know, he was uh, one of the people that got me into tabletop games, of which now is a a core brick of my life.
0: (laughs) Kind of the old hat around here.
1: Am I on, one of my own, Well, I have two major regrets in life. One of them is that I did not make smarter investments at a younger age for things like Bitcoin and Tesla and Microsoft. The second being that I didn't get into tabletop games until I was well in my 20s. That's, that's, one, of,
0: that's one of my biggest regrets. I think both of those things are fair. All right. So what's new? Not much. It's been a slow week, actually. We haven't had any game sessions between last uh, recording and this one, so that's true. Uh, Let's talk about news first. I got got a a
1: couple things, just a couple things I want to talk about. I know a lot of times we talk about new Kickstarters that are uh, probably gonna. Who knows? By the time that you discover this show, this Kickstarter mate, this Kickstarter will probably well ended. But it might be a product you haven't heard about. Uh, There is a. Don't don't get me wrong, we're not playing 5E right now, but people keep making content that is 5E adjacent mm-hmm. and I love a good book that you can use that's pretty setting agnostic right. or system agnostic. Either way, system mm-hmm. or setting agnostic, and I have found a uh, a Kickstarter. This is it's called Amazing Encounters and Places and it is for, I believe, 5th edition, but the Amazing Encounters and Places is, a, you know, it's exactly what it is. It's that you can drop into your game a regional map for locations, including, uh, like, coastal places, forest places, mountain swamps. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that have never heard of it, actually, uh, you and have partaken in a session I run. I, I just love any product that you can adapt to your own game, like, with a little work. You, know, you might have to convert stat blocks or whatever, mm-hmm. but things that make the game master's prep time easier,
0: love it all. Oh, yeah. I mean, if you're a player out there, one thing you might not realize is exactly how much time your game master puts in to making that game session work. You show up and you might play for three or four hours on, you know, a one night a week. There's a chance your game master has probably put in two to three times that many hours preparing, putting the campaign together. A lot of times the communication they have with you between game sessions to make sure that everybody's on the same page or to make sure you understand your options as a, as a player and what your character can take. So anything that helps to streamline what a, what a game master needs to do Anything that saves time in that regard is a godsend if you're on the other side of the Game Master screen.
1: Don't forget to thank your GM this week.
0: Yeah, no <laughs> doubt. Buy, buy him a six-pack if yeah. you're of age. If, if, if
1: you're <laughs> or a six-pack of uh, whatever their favorite sodas.
0: Yeah, which um, you don't need to be of age for that. So.
1: We are the Game Master speakeasy, but we encourage anyone who has a an appreciation for tabletop RPGs to stick around and hang out while we uh, carry you on this uh, little bit of a journey today. Absolutely. Uh, uh, we're Today we're going to talk about some of our... Failings, our weaker moments as game masters. Uh, But first, uh, I have another piece of news that I keep forgetting to talk about, and that's Pathfinder Nexus.
0: Okay, so tell me about this Pathfinder Nexus.
1: So you know about uh, the world's most famous tabletop role-playing game, and how it has something called D and D Beyond. I'm aware of
0: both of those things. Yes, Uh,
1: the the good people at Paizo have paired with a uh, prolific partnership, uh, a group called uh, I think Demiplane. Okay. Is the name of the company that they're working with. It's going to do. It's basically D and D Beyond for, for Pat, for Pathfinder. To okay. It. So you're gonna have your your uh, you're gonna have your character builders. Source you can buy. You can buy PDFs in to use in or that not, not 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 PDFs, but you can buy content to mm-hmm. unlock, just like how you can in D and D Beyond. Um, and I think that's gonna be useful for the people that have come to. There's a lot of people that play D and D that just use D and D Beyond for all of those things. They don't, yeah. they don't own source books. They don't do anything. They don't own PDFs. Mm-hmm. Everything they do is on D and D Beyond.
0: Well, and I mean, there's something to be said for using technology to streamline any of these things. We've talked about it in previous episodes, but like the Path Builder app, for example, I think that makes life super easy for your players just to have that app available yeah so i mean an online resource for any of this stuff is going to help to streamline it's going to help to make things easier and like you said it's going to have access to content and things like that usually at a pretty reasonable price if it's anything like dnd beyond is
1: i gotta say i don't know that i'm gonna use pathfinder nexus because mm-hmm. most of the time we play in person
0: yeah that's, uh, that's also true I,
1: we play in person and i like physical books so we have physical books and we have the rules online that we can look up. So I don't know if I'm going to use it, but for people that are on playing online, sure. Man, mm. That's, that's, that'll be good. I think that'll be good. I hope it does well, well because I really like Pathfinder two and I want more content.
0: I mean, always more options is generally always better. All right. So that's a, uh... That's all, that's all I've got for uh, news that I wanted so, to talk about. So rather you than you asking in. me about what I've done this week, why don't I ask you about what you're doing that's this true, week?
1: That's true, because we haven't had a game session. Yeah, so I, um, got, I got nothing there. <laughs> in, in between game sessions, you know, I'm always, you know, we play in a homebrew world, so I do a lot of prep work just for fun and need. Uh, I'm going to quote a guy, so you, all right, oh, as I, I digress back to my previous point. Uh, there was a, a guy, he's a publisher, He and he's made Stars Without Number, which okay. you have played in. Yep. It's a system that you can find on RPG. There's a, a free version that has like 95% of the rules in it. He's also released a new one uh, with him last year called Worlds Without Number, which is the fantasy equivalent of it. Uh, and I believe it was in his books. A lot of his stuff in those books is made to help Game Masters prep, even if you're not using those systems. Like, you can take the stuff in Worlds Without Number or uh, in Stars Without Number, and you can do things like the faction turn. You know, if you want to have a bunch of factions in your mm-hmm. world operating behind the scenes, it's a cool little mini-game for the Game Master to play that
0: actually, like, advances the the faction's uh, goals in your world. And it's not so tied to the actual rule system yeah. that it can't just be transplanted into other systems. That's kind of cool.
1: Yeah, and so, like, a lot of tools in these games you can use are system and setting agnostic. Uh, and so I like I like a thing like that, um, and there's a quote from Kevin Crawford about preparing for your what the the prep work that you are doing as a game master, and it is I'm gonna just paraphrase it. It's something along the lines of the if you, whatever prep work you're doing, it should either be a enjoyable. It's it's prep work that you are having fun doing. You are enjoying the world building. You're enjoying making the maps, or b it should be relevant to the very next session, and I—that's that's a fair. once I picked up on that philosophy. I found that prep work uh, is a little bit—I don't know—less stressful for mm-hmm. me. Uh, it's I, I only ever prep stuff that's relevant to the next session, or I do it because I'm in the mood for it.
0: That's good because chances are, if you print or if you if you prep five adventures ahead, we'll break that sequence so hard. Oh yeah, I I, just, I I d- I just used to do a lot of that
1: actually. <laughs> already, uh, already in Lancer, I I kind of original uh, originally had the the game that we got going. I had planned for it to be. Uh, you guys are probably going to stay on that planet, but already you guys have expressed
0: interest in getting on, uh, getting a ship, and getting off world. Uh, I so. have,
1: <laughs> yeah. So the, the good thing I didn't prep five <laughs> sessions ahead.
0: Um, so I mean, we still got to get enough money for the ship or enough resources to get it.
1: In that regard, I like to participate in something called National Novel Writing Month, uh, and for that, and you know, whether whether you publish it or not, it's a fun. It's a fun writing experiment where in the month of November, you try to write 50,000 words. Don't worry about going back and editing. The goal is just to write 50,000 words between the beginning and end of November. And I have uh, once in my life actually managed to complete this goal. I did That it... was last year, right? No, 2019. Okay. 2019 was the first year I did it. I mm-hmm. did not do it in 2020. Um, and in the months that I do National Novel Writing Month, I don't run a whole lot of games. Yeah. But the novel that I'm writing is prep adjacent because it is a novelization of events that are canon in my homebrew world and uh, I know that you know I wrote the first 50,000 words in 2019 uh, my group read it and I, I'm glad that it those it was of, great
0: it was absolutely phenomenal
1: those of you that did I I feel like it was uh, is I mean you you read it did it did it make you more engaged with the homebrew world
0: Yeah, it helped flesh out the setting. It gave me kind of an idea of what was going on and why, which helped a lot. But I mean, it was just well written to be honest with you.
1: And I will encourage dungeon masters uh, game game masters to do this. Right? Right. You don't have to write 50,000 words, but write a short story here and there of your homebrew world. And don't be offended if your players don't read it because I know some of your players are not readers. Uh, they are not there to, <laughs> re- to study the rule book. They're there to have a good time. But the, you know, you might have players that are, and they're going to enjoy it, and and they're going they might engage with your world, which is one of my uh, which is something I will bring up again in today's topic. Uh, but first, what are we drinking today? We are in a speakeasy where we sometimes enjoy beverages that uh, may or may not include alcoholic content. We are. Uh, men mean, of age, so uh-huh. we can do I, I, I
0: will almost universally be consuming something with alcoholic content. Let's not pretend <laughs> otherwise. Um, what we are drinking this week is another local brew. We drink a lot of local brews, don't we? That's, what,
1: that's, that's good, because
0: ball. we have a lot of good local brews here. Um, this one is a black ale that is um, adorably named after... Um, well, we won't our, say, yeah, we won't say
1: the direct quote. But no, but a,
0: it, it is referencing the movie Dune. Or the book, <laughs> both of which are delightful. Um... Well, it depends on depends on the person you ask, and depends on which movie. Well, I mean, I've seen them both, and the new one's way better than the old one was. But I mean, I'm glad the old one existed because if it didn't, I don't know that we would have even gotten the new one. If you have read Dune and haven't seen the new movie, you should at least give it a go. I, I
1: saw it three times. Yeah, I, I
0: I've seen it twice already, and I saw it before I started reading the book, and I'm about halfway through the book now, and it's phenomenal.
1: Yeah, they they advertise this beer as uh, this ale as having hints of maple, cinnamon, and melange. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: pretty good actually
1: all right so i i kind of like it i'm enjoying it it is have a it does have an interesting flavor it to does it, i mean, but you it's...
0: can t- you can taste the things that they say in it i hope my eyes turn blue <laughs> <laughs> well more blue more yeah more yeah you've
1: got you've got blue eyes already <laughs> they're not quite so they're not the uh the
0: whites need to turn blue i haven't gotten there yet
1: that's true uh did, so speaking of dune actually there's a there's a for those who don't know i think there was a uh that's another. Yeah, it's news to you, maybe. There is a Dune role playing game that it launched. came out this year. I did it did? I and mean, so it's
0: newish by, news, is in the sense that it's happened at least. by
1: Modiphius, and yeah. uh,
0: they're the publishers and developers, I believe. I'd be interested to see how it goes. I would imagine that it's going to probably have a lot of politicking in it, um, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I have the i if i they it might
1: involve. I don't remember uh, exactly, but I think you might even make your own house.
0: That's what I I read about it. it okay, something, something to that effect. But I think it'll involve a lot of politicking, which you need a, you need the right group for something like okay, that. I've, I've had an old, uh, That's copy a, of, uh, Vampire the Masquerade, uh, lying around somewhere that. We, which edition is that? If you know, I you honestly don't. It's, okay. it's, it's I've to, had it for a, a fifth now. I've had it for a very long time. So I would probably imagine second or third edition, maybe. All right. Um, cause but, you're ancient. Yeah. But yeah, I, I'm kind of old. Um, but we never played it because I never felt like any of the people in my group would really want to role-play the politicking as much. And that's that's a setting where unless you guys pick a very specific clan whose sole purpose is largely combat-based, that most of that game is just going to be a lot of posturing and, and things like that. Which is it's not a bad thing for the right group. It's a more role-playing-centric game. Very much so. And I would imagine that a Dune game would be a lot like that, too. Oh, yeah. yeah. If you get the right group, it would be phenomenal. But I think if you get a group that's it's really combat-oriented... Well, um,
1: I, I've never played the 2D20 system on which mm-hmm. it is based. Uh, and what I can tell you is that that system is uh, what Star Trek Adventures uses. Okay. And in Star Trek, Star Trek Adventures, each session is supposed to be an episode mm-hmm. of, of your version yeah. of Star Trek. where So and there is very narrative focused, yeah, I would say. A lot of politics. Because I a haven't RP. played it, but a buddy of mine has played in a game, and he, mm-hmm. he would give me his personal campaign diary of what they were up to in nice. their game. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's, it's uh everything, we're keeping it all on task here. The beer, the beer's
0: got spice in it. Yeah, the beer's got the spice. And now I can see the future. And in the future, we will play tabletop yeah. games. In the, in the more immediate future, we will talk about <laughs> some of our, our greatest failures as GMs and our greatest successes. Yeah, you want, you want me to start or you want to Go start? Go ahead, you start. Okay. I'd like to hear where your take is all on right, this, because so you know mine.
1: As, as, as you know, uh, perhaps, I am... I love this. I love being a game master, but I am fairly fresh. I would say that I have a knack for it, but I am still uh, finding every week uh, just a, just chiseling a little bit more of the. You know, it's like you're revealing a marble statue, and mm. I arrived as a slab. And,
0: just, and yeah, each week I'm just slowly re- cut off pieces. It away. And and gets closer to what you It wanted. might
1: not be a masterpiece, but I think the end result is going to be pretty, pretty, pretty good. I feel confident. I don't. There's a lot of things in life that I am not confident about about <laughs> myself, but tabletop, role-playing, and game mastering, I, I have not an arrogance, but a confidence well, that I will w-
0: lead you to interesting narratives and fun. For what it's worth, you've been doing this less than half the time that I have, and I think you're better at it than I've ever been. So. Is it less
1: than half or less than a quarter? Or? Well,
0: let's see. How many years have you been at this?
1: Uh, Four, and you've four? been at it 25.
0: Yeah, so, yeah, okay, so... <laughs> We're, we're talking, you know, twenty less, uh, less than twenty percent. Yeah, <laughs> but you're good at it. I mean, you've got a, you do have a knack for it. One
1: of my weakest moments does come from a fifth, our our normal long running fifth edition game, uh, and it is your primary character, who is a, a warlock named Aram. And usually, especially in new systems. Uh, They tell Game Masters to only roll the dice at dramatic moments where uh, failure would be a dramatic outcome. Uh, Don't roll... For your mechanic who's trying to fix a couple loose nuts and bolts, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you you try to you make your mechanic roll if you're trying to fix a cannon in a short amount of time so that you can launch it against a well, monster under that's enemy incoming. fire. Under enemy it is, fire, right? It, well, while it's dramatic, uh, and you usually roll if there is a chance of success and a chance for failure, but I had you roll in a social encounter with a green dragon. Who was the tender of a garden? Uh, you guys were after a special magical reagent. It was I was inspired by a piece of fourth edition D and D art where they had like this crystal flower mm-hmm. uh, in the Feywilds because uh, you guys were in the Feywilds. Yeah. Um, and you, uh, basically, this crystal flower was tended to by this dragon, and it could be used as a powerful reagent in any potion spell casting. Uh, it was basically a homebrew item in that regard, yeah. where it would crank whatever your Whatever, it cranked whatever you had up to 11. You could cast a first-level magic missile, and that thing's coming out the other side, a level 11 beefcake blowing on the top of a mountainside. And so it's very, it's a very sought-after resource. And you guys were there to get it and to stop the big, bad, evil guy from getting any. That's right? correct, yes. And so Aram, he is, the as a warlock with a maxed-out charisma score, and he's proficient in diplomacy and deception, you're the face of the party. And so you engaged with this dragon confidently. Uh, you
0: crushed your role. I mean, I don't know if I was confident, but I didn't want to fight it. And well, I yeah, if I could yeah. talk my way through this, then, you know, that was a better answer. The last to...
1: thing you want to do with... Well, you know what they say about war is that it is the least efficient form of diplomacy. Yeah. So that's what you didn't want. You did not want a war against a giant nope. dragon.
0: I was trying to negotiate something from him, you know, trying to figure out what I needed to do to, to get it yeah. without having to... You know, fight a dragon, and
1: I, I might almost call this a form of pre-fudging, because the, <laughs> the the DC was as such that at the level you currently were, you could not hit the DC. Got it. You know, if you, if you were a level max twenty character, not unlike a poison that happened at, at a later oh, yeah. point in time. Oh no, yeah, I remember that too. Uh, so if you had been a higher level with a higher proficiency, it would have been at least a small, if not tiny, chance. I was proud of my 24. Yeah, you were, you had (laughs) a, it was 24. I'm pretty sure it was 24. I'm pretty confident about it. Uh, It was either 24, you know what, it might have been 25...
0: Somewhere in that range, That's high high,
1: high roll number for those that have played the world's uh, most successful and famous tabletop role playing game. As you will often find it described in the uh, products. Pro- products are always saying that these days. Oh, here's a here's a product for the world's mo- most famous role playing game. They just say it. You can say it. we know what it is. <laughs> I don't, maybe there's a legal reason they can't say it, maybe. but it's uh, it's for D and D. Yeah. Uh, and the the uh, the problem was that. Uh, I let you roll. You know, you're like, I want to convince this dragon and I called for a diplomacy check for which there was no possible success.
0: So basically you're just saying you should have told me no.
1: I should have told you no. I, sh- I feel like at least in 5th edition, um, there there might be systems like Pathfinder 2 has secret checks mm. and they're secret for a reason. You know, yeah. like if you recall knowledge and it was impossible, you don't know anyway. You just right? know you right? didn't there's roll a reason to get it. A, there's a reason it's a secret check. Uh, but in 5th in edition... There is, there's, there's no secret checks, and there's no reason to have a person roll if they don't have a, uh, if there's no chance of success. Because you rolled, you trust your number, in 5e there's bounded accuracy. A 25 is awesome, no mm-hmm. matter what situation there is. So the second you see your 25, you feel, as a, pl- tell me how you felt now. I, I, I felt bet- like
0: I'd done accomplished something. Yeah. I mean, maybe I wasn't going to get what I wanted, but I figured he wasn't going to pick a fight with us immediately. Right. Which and, he did pick a fight with us immediately.
1: And if I was, because if I was a better GM at that time, I could have had you fail forward despite it. Like your your twenty five represents a a good performance and a solid argument. Um, I could have at least had you know the because the the reason you failed was because the dragon had already met with the bad guy. Yeah. You know he he the bad guy had told the dragon who you guys were, but at the very least, I could have failed you guys forward, and mm-hmm. I didn't. I had you roll initiative, and I consider that to be one of my biggest. Uh, failures as a GM was uh, because you had a great role uh, in it. And I just, I feel like I railroaded you guys into combat instead of having a moment where you were able to, like, sure, I, you know, in retrospect, oh, we can call upon Captain Hindsight, right? Like, Hindsight's 2020. Yeah. 20. Oh, yeah. I, you know, knowing, knowing that now, if I could go back, what I would have done instead is... Yes, this dragon has met with the bad guy, but he's still a dragon. You know, maybe he'd be willing to cut you guys a deal mm-hmm. and double agent against the bad guy because of your wonderful role, or, or play or play both sides, or whatever. Or, or you know,
0: if, or if the big bad had leverage against him, maybe he offers to help me if I get rid of that leverage, right. or whatever you that know, may be. Something, right? Yeah. There's,
1: there should because of you know, I. You're I saying think, you're saying there should have been an option outside of combat. There should have been an option outside of combat, and that was one of my—that's one of my biggest mistakes as a GM in general, especially starting with games that have a lot of combat. Mm-hmm. Um, I tend to, especially in fifth edition. Fifth edition is—you know—we talked about Vampire the Masquerade. That's a system. That's a system that assumes role playing, whereas fifth edition and Pathfinder those are systems that assume combat. combat. You know, you in in Warhammer uh, fantasy role play, you could roll up a character that's just a beggar. <laughs> at the beginning you know, of the game, you, you are a so you weird. know what you're I good like at, it, you weird. know what you're good at, you're good at panhandling, you're good at being grungy on the side of the road, you're not good at swinging a sword. In fifth edition, every character you make comes with a combat toolkit, yeah, so combat is assumed. And so, I, I think I have you know, because I was running fifth edition, I had a combat bias mm-hmm. and be and. Despite your, you know, it's against social encounters. I don't embrace social encounters enough, or at least I didn't. didn't. I've got, I, that is something that I made a mental note after that mistake because if if you're gonna make
0: mistakes, you should learn from them. That's true. I mean now for what it's for what it's worth, I did get my vengeance. We've killed at least two generations of that dragon's family. Her yeah, her family is upset. Very upset. So yeah,
1: so there, <laughs> the, there's one of the the Big Bad Evil guy has one of each chromatic dragons as an ally, not a minion, as an uh-huh. ally, and you have killed two of her children.
0: Yeah, no, that so, that was he was one of them, and then his little brother, little sister, little got sister. Up. That was little that pig. was the first dragon yeah. the party ever fought. Yeah. Was was
1: the, the young she green got wrecked dragon. got riggedy wrecked. Uh, so that is my worst offense, I think. That's my worst mistake as a GM is uh, calling for a role when it wasn't needed. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you? What's your worst mistake? <sighs> Boy,
0: there's a long list here. I mean, in, I've, I've got tenure here as far <laughs> as time in. In 25 uh, years. You know, I think the player really enjoyed this, but I, I think probably just the the sheer amount of, like, irritation it brought to the campaign... I'm gonna go with um, one of my Deadlands players. He wanted to start with a knack. Now, if any and if anybody if listeners out there have played Deadlands, they um, haven't. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, no, pro, pro, it, well, there's it, gotta be a couple of they, them, they're, right?
1: They're, let's be real; they're probably playing the Savage Savage Worlds. Of That's true. Well, the days. older version, the second yeah.
0: edition, Deadlands Revised, as it was called. Um, when you made your character, you 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 could take. Um, well, The whole character creation was drawn out of a deck of cards that, is, that determined your attributes. I
1: love the deck of cards.
0: I actually really like that as a character
1: creation system. But We, we also worked in a casino. Yeah, we <laughs> did. And
0: I allowed all my players three draws and they could take their favorite because I never wanted anybody to come out with a character that just sucked because of bad luck. Um, but in the earliest edition of Deadlands, I believe, you could purchase these things called knacks. Well, in the revised edition, you could only get the knack if you drew an ace on your mysterious past. I believe is what it yeah,
1: was. Yeah. So not only did you have to draw a joker during character creation yeah. for your stats to get a mysterious past, but then on your mysterious past, you had to, to get draw, a you really had to draw an ace from a fifty-four card deck. Chance. Yeah, one in thirteen chance. So, oh well, one in not technically you just, you, were the jokers part of the
0: wild. Yeah. So, okay, so you, you know, you'd be talking four in fifty-four. Four in fifty-four chance. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what these knacks would do is they would allow you to spend a chip, which is kind of your advantage, your bennies, your hero points, whatever. Except you get a lot more of them it's, in Deadlands the, because they it's have the
1: metagame currency. It's the
0: metagame currency. Would allow you to spend one of those in order to have certain effects. Like "Born on All hollows. Eve," for example, could be used to empower your magic. If you had a legend chip, which these were difficult to get a hold of, and they had a lot of cool uses but if you could use a legend ship, then you could like, if you played a Huckster or a mad scientist, you could get the highest available result for your spell or your, your, um, your construction role or your blueprint role for your, your gadgets. Um, the one that this particular player took was called Cat's Breath, which the minor abilities allowed for things like night vision and to fall distances without taking damage and an increase in their, a temporary increase in their nimbleness score. But the Legend Chip ability gave the player nine lives.
1: <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know that. Yes. I've never so, heard this story here's before. Here's <laughs> how
0: this plays out with this knack: If the character is in a situation where they will inevitably die, yeah. or if they have died, Yeah they can spend a Legend chip in order to not die. And then they put one tick mark on their character sheet, and once they hit nine, they're out of them. So, I mean, a so limited... you had to
1: spend a Legend chip each time you died? Yes. Okay, so that's still, it's, right. still, but it's still
0: it's still but hard to do. What this it's... really caused him to do is hoard the ever-living crap out of Legend chips because Instead it was of, basically yeah. his, invul- his, his invincibility button. Yeah, so he's
1: holding on to these, and mm-hmm. he, you, even if you tried to get him to burn yeah, fake no, chips to uh-huh. negate wounds, Like, he was not
0: sharing the legend chips with the rest of the yeah. kids in the party. He was no. If he drew one, it was in his pocket forever or until I wasted him.
1: Can I, do you remember how, how long ago this was? Like, in real world time? Like, how old you oh, were? How many years God. ago was this a bet? Because um, he was playing Scorp. This was playing Scorp. A recurring character
0: that he I would. Rehashes. This would have had to have been before 2003, because okay, I joined so the Army in 03. This is before I went off to the Army. This was... Oh, wow. So you guys were... Yeah. Late... Yeah, mm-hmm. teenage this, years. I believe this campaign was before that. So this would have been early 20s at the absolute latest. So. Lance forty hair. Yeah, back when <laughs> I still had hair. So that was cool. <laughs> and... The only real comeuppance I had, and, and and spoiler alert. Well, you don't you don't get spoiler alerts for this, but I mean, if you've, if you're just getting into Deadlands, and you're worried about knowing what's really going on with the Harrowed, just shut don't up. do it. Don't spoil it. I mean, I I, I guess okay. No, no, no. I'm
1: telling I'm telling, th- I'm telling them not to read it. Oh. Don't, don't don't look in the Marshalls section of the handbook.
0: Yeah, well, that too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which I'm guessing at this point nobody's got spoilers over this, eh, but maybe. I technically speaking, it never said that I had to keep them alive alive so after two or three rounds of him escaping death due to this legendship thing i brought his character back harrowed intentionally oh which was nice because at that point it gave me an inside man because there was a you know demon living inside of his skull but and i mean don't get me wrong the player had a really good time with it i I don't think it detracted from the game i think the biggest part of that mistake was the fact that it made my life so much harder (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because I had this just basically invincible gunslinger running around. If he had a legend ship, he could do whatever he wanted. Well, I would say whatever he wanted, but, but that, that virtually comes, whatever
1: he wanted. That comes back to one of the primary—I would almost call it the core tenets of game mastering—is that you were worried about making him feel tension or drama. Yeah, you know, and like and it made it you, hard. If you, it felt difficult for you to challenge. Yeah, that I mean, character.
0: I And well, and the worst thing is, in order to challenge him, the kind of things that I had to do would have put the rest of the party in and. Yeah. Overabundance of danger that I didn't want them to have to suffer just because they had this one dude in the party that was.
1: Did you ever get any blowback or criticism from the other players in the group for letting Dan buy an act? No, they, not they really. No, and I, they, the, to be, a, to be, be honest with you, at the time, anything? I
0: think I would have let any of them do it. Okay. I mean, because the old rules, and I think there was even an optional rule in the revised where you could let them buy the knack for like five points, five bounty points at that's character cheap. creation. That's cheap. Well,
1: well, I mean... For a knack.
0: That's basically 50% of the total amount of points they could spend on edges. Yeah. So that's, I mean, it's it's a considerable investment, but the it's it's an outsized power for that amount of investment. I mean... Not that I would ever go back and let anybody use NAAC or buy NACs again at character creation, but if I did, I'd probably make it a ten point edge. Okay, like it would be all of their edges. Period. Full stop. That's it. You know, it's, it's just that good. It is really that, and I mean, so many of them are that good. Like I said, I mean, the
1: only remember the only knack I remember reading was uh, Twister, and I think that one sounds like a lot of fun.
0: See, I don't remember that one.
1: I think you get like control over wind and stuff. Okay, yeah.
0: No, the the cast breath one was the one I'm familiar with, and I remember the All Hallows Eve one because I always thought, man, if you had a huckster that cast a spell and is took it the legend of All, Gym...
1: All Hallows Eve, yeah, okay.
0: born on All Hallows Eve,
1: oh yeah, and ba- I mean the, the point of the lore of Nax is it had to do with the day your character was born, yeah, well, right? it had to some
0: circumstance yeah. surrounding their birth gotcha. or their very very early childhood, um, and All Hallows Eve would allow you to get a royal flush on a spell that you cast, you just you didn't even have to roll you what yeah. Now, if you saw, okay. if, you, if you remember the damage codes on some of the damage spells yeah. for a huckster with a royal flush. So,
1: for those at home, oh. or so for those near us, next to the hearth, uh, <laughs> hucksters would cast spells and then draw a poker hand from a deck of cards to see how strong their their spell was, and uh, so to and 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 it was the same with the mad scientists. You mm-hmm. know, like you could build a a time machine, but you needed, like, a Royal Flush to well, get it, right? At least the, like well, that. at
0: least the time machine with the base build time kept that thing, because the base build time on it was, like, a year. Yeah. So if your character got the Royal Flush, you still had... No, it was 20 years, I think. It's
1: it's, it's a lot of downtime. Yeah, it was it's it was very, unlike,
0: of, very unlikely that your characters no, I, I would I want to ever... say it was,
1: I don't think it, was, it was... I don't think it was 20. I think it was, like, 10, maybe it might five. have been. But, I
0: mean, the point is, is that... It was this, a really long time. Yeah, there was really no practical way to get one of those. So, um... What about uh, what about some of your best moments as a GM?
1: All right, I enjoy some of my best moments. I feel regrettable uh, about uh, Finn dying and that the champ, the champion, in mm-hmm. our, our path. Yeah, we talked about that last because episode. there are some people in my home game that uh, don't always know their character, and you know that's uh, that is something I have gotten a lot more patience for. I want to mm-hmm. say uh, there, especially in like the midpoint of GMing, I became kind of a real hard ass about it. Uh, As a fellow player,
0: I have gained no patience for that because yeah. I you typically know my character.
1: Yeah, that's true. You're, you're trying you, like mm. even if you're a spellcaster, your turns go by pretty quick because you mm. know what you're doing. Uh, and that isn't to say that there aren't moments where uh, our players, my players, don't know what they're doing. But like a lot of the time, sometimes they forget or they forgot to read their new spell. Or, but anyway, uh, he was he was he was trucking along in that combat. He knew what he was doing. Every turn was going by quick. He was being tactical, which yeah. is which. Uh, I will say in Pathfinder two, it's a tactical game, but you don't m- don't feel the need to be a munchkin, you know. No. You in, unless the you know as long as the game master is making balanced encounters, you know, a, a, not all of them are extreme encounters. You're also getting some mook enemy encounters in there to m- do make you feel strong. Uh, you don't need to be completely efficient to have fun in Pathfinder two. You're going to experience great gains if you work as a team to get that efficiency. But I would say that my moments of pride, uh, I don't, it's hard to nail down a single one every time it's more like a, like a, like a symphony uh, or a, or a medley of small moments that have happened. Um, All those times where, you know, people come through and they know their mechanics, they've paid attention to what's going on in the world. You know, at the beginning of, At the beginning of every session, I have one of the players do a recap. And sometimes the players account everything that happened to the last session in perfect clarity. And I'm like, oh, awesome, they are paying attention. I am leading (laughs) them to the well, and they drinketh from it. Uh, There's been a lot of moments where you guys go off role-playing with each other. Uh, I think all Game Masters, if you've ever Game Mastered a game, uh, you can relate to this, where you just sit back, and for like half an hour, you don't say a gosh-dang
0: word. The
1: players just keep role-playing amongst themselves. And, right. And
0: that is a great thing as a GM, because what that really means is they have just saved you 30 minutes of content <laughs> work. Like yeah. If you get in there and your players really dig into the RP, and they're having a real blast doing it, and then they end up running that for thirty minutes to an hour. Well, I mean, what's th- what do you think thirty minutes of gameplay translates into in prep time?
1: Oh, um, God. well, <laughs> if it's a combat, like yeah. if it's thirty minutes of a combat encounter, that's that's a yeah, that saved you at least an hour. hour that's what to, I'm saying. Yeah. So I
0: mean, like, it's there's there's some definite returns definite returns on getting your players into a real good <laughs> RP scenario because where mean, they're it, operating without you.
1: That what took a three four hour session prep time. Involved maybe six to eight total hours of prep that I did because I I did the layout of the entire academy. I stash I stocked it with NPCs and loot, and you guys went straight to the MacGuffin You <laughs> skipping the you, yeah. You stumbled upon the McGuffin. We, we sk- the the plot device skipping the entire. Screw academy.
0: the investigation. We're just gonna bumble around and accidentally find our way right into the middle of the plot. It was yeah. fantastic.
1: Yeah. Every everything was. Uh, and don't get me wrong. That's part of being a GM is uh, rolling with the punches, and it, I had a lot of. Fun. Doing it but if i had to pick out a single moment of pride it was it was the toast now we don't Uh, we don't have enough time to talk about the entire uh trader's (laughs) toast today but the moment you know what
0: i'll tell you what i will give up my best gm moment to hear you get as much into this as you possibly can before (laughs) the okay so
1: uh, this this came from your, like, if I hadn't played in your Deadlands game, it would have never occurred to me to ever do this. Okay. But when you when your group split the party, you would have us go into the other room. And sometimes we would, like, a couple of us would go into the other room and just chit-chat for half an hour mm-hmm. while the other half of the party is separated. Yeah. And so we, when and then you would switch us off. And the other group would have to just hang out in the other room for half an hour chit-chatting, flipping on their phones or reading a book or whatever, going through the rules. And then... Uh, when we come back together, sometimes people would share what happened with their group. Sometimes it wouldn't. It really, pre- you know, there's nothing like preventing metagaming, like not even being at the table. Oh, yeah. I will say that I, I always, I often had complaints about it because at least half the time we would just figure out, they would just share what happened. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, we could have been here the whole time. and didn't need to go out
0: and chill out. We didn't need
1: to go out. But then, for, for then, then there's other, but the other times where we didn't know what happened, it was incredibly rewarding. Uh, And so taking, taking, I was just
0: saying, I've always found that it depends on which characters are separated and which ones aren't. If you've Mm -hmm. got kind of the shadier characters, they tend to be way more reticent to tell the rest of the party what happened in those scenes. Whereas if you have the more open and friendly characters that are the ones that are are finding out the super secret squirrel stuff, Mm -hmm. they tend to share it.
1: That is absolutely true. Because there's a, there's people in our main group where they often will squirrel away their secrets, you know. They mm-hmm. don't. and uh, there's other players that <laughs> <Aram>. want to, them... <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> Aram. or or Dan as a player, yeah, not a not a character. He likes to have his character secrets, yeah. Uh, and then there are other people in the party that will will push and open push. book transparent yeah, open, transparent and they want to know everything you're yeah. doing. And they get there, they're like, no, so what, where did you go? What happened? They ask a lot of questions. Yeah, just handle some personal stuff. Just, yeah, just some personal stuff. Um, so I'm going to sum it up quickly because I still want to hear some things you're proud of. But, uh, but basically, uh, the single moment, uh, I can still remember the look on uh, Brittany's face when she turned to her husband, who was turning traitor to the rest of the party. Uh, and I thought she was going to divorce him right then and there. She was when it, not when it happy fin- when it finally clicked in her head what was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll, t- I'll tell the whole the whole story. I can tell the whole story. will take up half an episode some other time. That's true. But uh, what ha- and, and what we can talk about then is that that'll be a to- that'll be a, a story for a topic when we talk about you know people working with the GM secretly. Because if, if done right, a it's idea. a lot of fun. And, yeah. And in Deadlands, you have multiple stories for oh, that. Yeah. But basically, um, we had separated the party at the end of the session. And long story short, two of the players met with the big bad evil guy and cut a deal.
0: Yeah. No, and I don't know.
1: when that deal came to fruition, <laughs> your character got kidnapped. And half the party was joining the bad guy. And the look on everyone's face... Was amazing. Um, It's just I think it is one of the most memorable
0: moments that temporarily ended that campaign. It did.
1: It put it put uh, a full stop to that campaign because most of the characters were either kidnapped or turned traitor. Yeah, Uh, and so
0: or just were not having it. Yeah, so it it was like
1: it was kind of lost. It was almost in a. It was a form of total party kill where not a single character died. Yeah, it's true because it was a complete separation of the guild.
0: Um, Know if I'd have let the dwarf die on the beach.
1: So that was, if I had to pick a single moment of pride, that'd probably be it. Um, other ones include uh, the when you guys got Ulrich back. Uh, you know, you mm-hmm. you, 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 f- you coming together to rescue the Guildmaster. I thought that was a really good moment. Uh, all, the, all those little role-playing moments add up, though. It's a combination of all those moments where people engage with your world. Uh, when people ask about the history, the, uh, that really builds up. Uh, what about
0: you? And, okay. and all
1: your time yeah. game mastering. What's your most proud single moment?
0: Well, this is the kind of thing that I think, much like your story, if, to go into great detail would be something we'd have to do like an entire segment on. But I had a character in Deadlands. You'll find that most of my Deadlands, you know, stuff or most of my history was with Deadlands.
1: You've got a lot of not uh, a lot of Deadlands. a lot of time. I got a lot of, I, I, got a lot of <laughs> I got
0: a lot of scary cowboy stuff in my history. <laughs> yeah, spo-
1: s- s- spoopy dudes with lassos. Yep.
0: So, um. The, the infamous Dan that we often talk about. Yes. He made a, uh, a mad scientist, and from the outset of this campaign... Wait, wait,
1: hold on. What's this mad scientist's name? Hans Gruber.
0: And yes, he <laughs> played him with a German accent, and it was freaking wonderful. So, we have... He creates this character from the outset, and this is a secret him and I kept from the entire rest of the party, literally until his character's demise. He had his—he had a wagon that had his entire laboratory in it, which he was super, super duper it's a steam wagon, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think so. And about keeping it locked up, and it turns out that Mister Hans Gruber, Doctor Hans Gruber, Doctor, um, had lost his wife in Germany before uh, immigrating to the United States in the Old West. He had saved her head in a preservative jar with the intent of figuring out how he could resurrect her. <laughs> so. Throughout the campaign, the party ends up um, finding Dr. Franken's, Dr. Victor Frankenstein's diary.
1: Yeah. Which, the which, actual which, Victor Frankenstein. The actual Victor Frankenstein. Yeah, yeah, in
0: canon. His diary. The rest of the party didn't didn't really understand why like this was so important, but Hans knew. He needed, oh, yeah. Hans needed this. And this whole campaign, well, then, not the campaign, but Hans was never a character that was intended to live for a tremendously long time, and Dan knew that. Yeah. Like by virtue of how he created the character and the story behind him, he knew that this guy wasn't going to live long. So they eventually end up in the city of Shan Fan. If you're familiar with Deadlands, you know it's basically the replacement for San Francisco after the entire California coastline gets dropped into the ocean by a big old earthquake. Read Deadlands history. That's I that's a story I don't, for another Yeah, day. I don't have time to explain <laughs> all that today. So Shan Fan is, is a predominantly Asian town. And they're investigating something else entirely different there. I don't remember what it was. Yeah. Um... But all of a sudden, like, local prostitutes start disappearing. And basically what it was, was Hans and me scheming without the other players in the room to know what was going on. He was collecting parts so that he could finally use this this book that he had got and the severed head of his wife to reconstruct this new wife. Like I said, we can manage to keep for a fairly huge portion of this campaign, this entire plan secret. Oh, yeah and, and none of the other players suspected Well, not only that, but I red-herringed this um, reporter that yeah, was, I was there. Say, there was the journalist. There was the right? journalist there that had gotten close to Hans, and Hans needed her. Hans might have just had the brain. I think he needed her face. He needed her head. Oh, okay. Because she reminded him of his ex-wife.
1: The journalist kind of looked uh-huh. like his ex-wife. So I red-herringed her, and the rest of the party thought she kidnapped Hans. Yeah, yeah, because because she was investigating the disappearances, but they had gotten the... Because I'm not a part of this campaign, no, but I've but heard the story a lot. But she 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 got. She was investigating these disappearances, but the party started to think she was causing them because she wanted a good story. Yeah, right? good I, sp- I
0: basically red-herringed her, and everybody thought she was the, the bad guy that was doing all this just to get the story. And when Hans disappeared, they thought she was the one that kidnapped him. They tracked him to this old barn that he had put all of his laboratory equipment in and basically built himself a little Frankenstein lab out there. Yeah. To find... It's,
1: it's probably on the edge of town, right? No, it, was,
0: it was a ways outside of town.
1: Yeah. Oh, the, the creepy barn, ways yeah. outside of town. And
0: when they found out, that you know they stormed the barn thinking they're going to be saving Hans, and they find him just after he'd resurrected her. <laughs> and, of course, the party being attempting to be good guys is immediately freaked out about the fact that there is now this, like, patchwork chick... <laughs> <laughs> in this barn, and so they freak out, and they try to fight her, and of course Hans, now in an attempt to defend his new zombie wife, starts firing back. Now, being a mad scientist, he's got a like fully auto shotgun that he built himself. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's got a malfunction score, but if you don't roll that malfunction, so die wrong. So what then... ends up happening in this is the party, like kills each other. We had one survivor. Yeah. Because he,
1: for being an old dude with uh, not great stats, he was rolling well, right? Well, or, did, or did he have a really
0: high gunslinging? And he had a pretty high shooting skill, but I think really it was just the fact that he had, like, he had the technological advantage. He right. had all he the had bad, bad auto science shot, gizmos, Auto shoddy or something like yeah. that. Right? Yeah. So basically like, He's firing at them to protect his zombie wife. She's attacking them as any good patchwork creation would do. And it
1: was was it was only a three man party, right? Yeah, it was a so it man was man like 2 man party. It was
0: it was Flick and it was um, Patty. And Flick was a like an agent, right? Was he was a, he was an ex for, former agent, former
1: yeah. he worked for the agency, mm-hmm. right? And Patty Patty was just a drunk
0: gunslinger, drunk gunslinger, yep, right? drunk right. gunslinger. Pretty simple,
1: yeah. So you've got. You've got the, you've got your, the man and zombie wife versus, uh, those two, those two, right? And how can, do you remember how, oh, is this where the legend ship dynamite came in or was that a different Uh, thing? No, no, this was a different
0: thing. This was, uh, what basically happened, if I remember this correctly, is Hans, like, bodied um, Patty with that shotgun. Just dropped him like a sack of puppies. And <laughs> oh no! The poor puppies! While he was on the ground, Zombie Wife started chewing on him and finished him off.
1: Oh man.
0: Um, at this point, Hans was fairly... Th- that
1: was That's when Patty...
0: That was Patty's death. That's when Patty yep. bit it. Ooh. There was one survivor to this whole thing because then Flick kills Hans... Kills the zombie wife, both of which had been injured during the earlier part of the altercation. And
1: was there any... Fu- it was It was, It was. It was full-on sanctioned PvP at this yeah, point, I mean, right? I, Yeah, I mean,
0: listen, if I got PvP going on, I'm not fudging it. Yeah. Okay, there would, there would be so none is, of that. So I just, just, I let it happen. Yeah. Flick was the sole survivor because we ended up rebuilding the group around him for the re- remainder of the campaign. But yeah, it was just when I, I joined the Deadlands game. Yeah, that was, you joined immediately after. And that was, I, I liked that moment because... The betrayal was like you could taste it in the air. <laughs> you could cut, these, it, these, you cut it with the, a knife. This group had been together. They had been like like Flick had been infested with this really nasty form of rabies. Hans treated him, and that's the only reason he even survived that. Oh, like yeah. this party had been through. A whole lot of crap.
1: Survive that Wendigo. Uh-huh.
0: They survive the Wendigo up north. Yeah, and like the whole thing happens. And then the whole time it turns out, I mean, I wouldn't even say that Hans was t- planning to betray them the whole time. There's something about the
1: Deadland setting that really binds the posse together.
0: Yeah, and and so basically this the whole group self-destructs when they find out what Hans's actual motivations are. And zombie, none, of oh, no. none of them saw it. None of them saw it go none of them saw it coming but yeah that that was probably my proudest proudest uh or at least at least one of my proudest it, moments it, it, it in shines
1: in your mind yeah. when I ask the question for
0: sure and yeah. i mean dan will tell that story all day long he loved it
1: oh man i that's uh that's that's a wonderful and we could go on and on about this oh yeah but, we got uh,
0: stories for Dan. Uh, crew uh,
1: says it's last call so <laughs> if if you want more of us you can find us on the recordbuttongroup.com, along with other shows produced by the Record Button. You can find us on social media, such as Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can find updates and news. Uh, the email is you can send us questions, comments. We want to encourage people that hear this to do that. Uh, if you want to tell me that I sound stupid, all right, that's fine. I'm, I'll just delete it. Uh, but <laughs> if you send something that's more interesting, like uh, hey, we want to hear about your player characters you've done or whatever else we want to take questions and maybe feature them on the show so you can email us at Official at gmail.com uh share us with your friends we're on spotify apple Podcasts, and youtube don't forget to rate and review maybe drop a comment too until next time i'm cody and i'm lance and this has been the game master speakeasy please get home safe